We are back again. It is episode 248 of Top Rope Nation, and boys, it feels good because the crew is back together, fresh off his trip from the UK. Some might say he's back and better than ever. Mr. <laughs> Kyle Ross, welcome back to Top Rope Nation, sir. So, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's How great was the to trip, be- man? It's great, and uh, you know, I look. There's a lot of hard feelings over there. I let's make sure we have our uh, geographic lines drawn correctly. I was in Northern Ireland, technically part of the United Kingdom. I was also part in Dublin, which is Ireland proper. Mm. Yes, so, you were. Yeah, so there's so a lot of hard UK and not UK. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There was, but you know, there was Euros. There was I don't know what the hell there was doing, man. There was freaking Brexit. I don't know what's going on over there. I was just drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard you talk about it. Uh, you and Liam just did a bonus podcast the other day. Top Rope Nation Extra patrons can check that out. Ninety minutes, awesome discussion. Thanks to Liam for doing that with you as well. That's Liam O'Rourke from the Squared Circle Gazette radio podcast. Uh, but, you know, for our main feed listeners who may not hear the Patreon shows, any highlights you would like to share, Kyle, of, of your trip across the pond? No, it was just a lot of drinking with the wife. And, you know, I said on the Patreon, I had terrible gas the entire trip. <laughs> That's amazing. Is that what you're trying to get out of me? I didn't know if you would say it or not. Oh, I didn't know if you'd yeah. say it for the, uh, it the free horrible. feed here. Oh, it was horrible. My <laughs> wife was looking to disown me by the second day. I mean, you saw, you, you told some great stories, though, of, of going to some pubs, you know, that dated back to, what, the 1600s, 1700s? Yeah. Sounds like right up my alley, man. I gotta No, you would have liked it, yeah. Yeah, they, they like looked like it. You know, they had, like, the fire going in there and stuff. and Because, you know, I mean, you walk in, it's, like, freaking raining there all the time, so. And cold. Well, well, we are glad to have you back. Justin and I, we did a show, Just Us Two, last week. It, it, it turned out really well, but it's just, it's never the same, Kyle, without you. Well, thank so looking you, forward to this. <laughs> it's true, man. We got to keep we... inflating my ego, please. Say something. <laughs> Justin, say something nice about me now. <laughs> Neither of us can do that high pitched squeal. You know what I mean? So hopefully we'll get that back. Farting on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Justin Joint, how's your week going, man? Not too bad. Uh, had one of those nights where you kind of question why you ever had kids. Because oh, they, yes. they turn into absolute demons for some reason. But good other than that. Good other than that. Uh, <laughs> M- NBA playoffs are going accordingly. Kyle, you're going to say something? Yeah, yeah. When they turned into demons, were they asking, were they lecturing you about Finn Balor and Ricochet or no? <laughs> <laughs> that joke landed with tops two people, but that's okay. Other than you two. Just, I mean, you're... Your son is getting old enough to get into wrestling, so are you are you training him in the ways of Finn Balor yet? Not yet. It's pretty hit or miss. He has a Darby Allen figure that he mm-hmm. likes, but uh, the the last few times I've thrown wrestling on, he hasn't really paid much attention to it. So I don't know. Maybe another year or so. Yeah, I am taking my oldest daughter to her first wrestling show in a few weeks. 
it's actually uh, the weekend before we go to Double or Nothing. I am taking her to a wow. WWE house show. Yes, indeed. So we'll see how that goes. But it'll be her first time live. So I am looking forward to that. Looking forward to this discussion tonight. We've got some good topics on the agenda. Kind of a, a news-centric show this week. And we're going to, of course, hit on AEW's big announcement last night of the Super Show with New Japan Pro Wrestling in Chicago in June. Before we do, I see he's in the chat here. Uh, Alan, Alan Awesome, got to thank him for joining the Patreon page. He is our latest patron. Uh, he's a main, no, not main event, a Hall of Fame tier patron of the show now. And there's only a few of those spots that go around. I think he is the fourth Hall of Fame tier patron of the show. So, Alan, thank you so much for your support. Of course, if you join, that's right round of applause if you join the hall of fame tier you come on the show with us every quarter if you'd like to so alan will probably be doing with a show with us in the future so looking forward to that guys if you want to join the patreon page uh like i said top rope nation extra with kyle and liam just dropped the other day and then next week a monthly edition of top rope nation classics coming we will be reviewing wcw spring stampede 94 you can see kyle is jack for this one uh, it uh yes. yeah I, I started going through some notes preliminary stuff and i am psyched for this card baby it's gonna be fun I'm, one of I'm the greatest wcw pay-per-views of all time it has a very aew feel to it i think should be a good discussion I, we haven't done that many wcw shows on top rope nation classics i think this will be our 29th edition of top rope classics if you guys have never heard them i mean they're two plus hour deep dives on classic wrestling events we drop one of those every single month and then top rope nation extra the other patreon bonus show usually a couple of those per month as well also got to mention this before we jump into the news tonight uh we always talk about on the show how we do these watch parties over on the playback app which is now public so we can tweet out the links and, and put on facebook the links to those live rooms this week, we're switching it up. Normally, we do the watch party with AEW Dynamite. We're going to be live Friday night. Most of you are probably listening to this on Friday. So tonight, on the playback app, watching SmackDown. So if you want our live reactions, you want to watch the show with us, please join us. I'll tweet out the link at Top Rope Nation. I think Kyle's reactions in particular will be worth joining. You looking forward Are to you ready? <laughs> Are you ready for a good time? It is going to be an awesome time. Uh, maybe in a, might be a bad time as far as watching, you know, the quality of the show. We'll see, but it should be a good time in that our comments should be coming in hot. And hopefully we'll have a good group of people on there to talk with the show about. We can bring you on stage too. Uh, and you can get up and, and talk with your webcam on if you want, or just your microphone. It's up to you. There's a chat room live as well a lot of fun and then patrons get a video recording of that every week the only way you can watch it on demand is if you're a, a patreon member but anybody can join us so look for the link over on uh, twitter.com slash top rope nation so boys let's get into it tony khan's big announcement the rumors were true a super show with new japan pro wrestling at the united center the date changed. The original report from Super Jcast, I believe, uh, from Voices of Wrestling, they had the date as the night after Dynamite, which would have been June 23rd, a Thursday. That is not the date. I don't know if that was the original plan and they changed it or what, or if it was a fluid situation. But the show is going to be on Sunday, 
June 26th. It is going to be a pay-per-view. Just let me throw it to you first. I mean, your initial reactions to this news. I thought Tony should have called an audible on his huge announcement and, and talked about how Fulham got promoted back to the Premier League and then maybe give like a bullet point presentation about all the <laughs> things he did to get them back into the Premier League. Uh, that's what I think personally, but uh, I guess I'm fine with uh, what he went with. I'm more than fine with it. It's, this is going to be <laughs> awesome. Kyle? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it beats, you know, reprising the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior 1998 feud like they did on NXT Tuesday. Oh. Did you guys see that, by the way? No, the oh, no not yet. No. Ron Breaker, Joe Gacy. Oh, they no. went Hogan Warrior. They, they went the the seeing, I can see him in the mirror, but you can't deal. Very oh, bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, no, this is what we thought it was going to be. It had been heavily rumored. And... It appe- we're going to get into this at length. It appeals to AEW's existing audience. It's something people want to see. And that is a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. There's all kinds of dream matches. I, I do want to, in a little bit, talk about matches you guys would like to see on the show because we could start kind of fantasy booking it a little bit. Um, you know, this is, this is the show that everybody has clamored for. I mean, pretty much for the entire existence of AEW. New Japan Pro Wrestling gave birth to AEW. You mm-hmm. know, like the, mm-hmm. the promotion grew out of New Japan. Uh, early on, there wasn't a great relationship between the two sides. You know, when I went to Revolution, did the press scrum with Tony Khan, he was asked about potentially working with New Japan. And as I recall, this was in uh, 2020, right before the pandemic. He basically was like, you know, the door's open for me, paraphrasing here, but basically they didn't want to talk to him at that time. Um, And that he joked about how he was lending his talent out to New Japan, you know, like Moxley was working over there, for example, but they weren't returning the favor. But since that point in time, we've seen that switch. I'm sure there's some hurt feelings on New Japan's end because, I mean, they're not quite at, you know the peak that they were before AEW and a big part of that is because, you know, Omega and the Bucks left, you know, they, they yeah. had brought a lot of eyeballs to new Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as far as the North American audience goes, um, I mean, I could speak for myself personally. I haven't been as interested in new Japan since Same. the start of AEW, like AEW kind of satisfies that part of your, of your fandom, you know, where you had to go to new Japan before, Certainly to see those people, but then like the style of the matches and the style of the product too. And they've been hurt by the pandemic. Yeah. Arguably more than everyone due to the restrictions over yeah. in Japan. And you talk about the relationship. Uh, wasn't it uh, some of the hard feelings stemming from the way Cody, the box and Omega announced the departure? Yeah. Wasn't it, wasn't that like the big story? Like, you know, it kind of like stole the thunder from, uh, you know, Russell Kingdom doing it the way they did. So. Yeah, yeah New true. Year's Day, like early that. in the hours of New yeah. Year's Day. Yeah. So, yeah, but it, it all seems well now. And, and we've got this show that, you know, I think has a lot of appeal to it. I was kind of shocked to see some people and not even just, you know, the WWE apologists, <laughs> you know, the people who will never give AEW a chance. Some people, you know, write about pro wrestling even who are like, oh, this isn't that big of an announcement. This didn't live up to the hype. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. I mean, outside of signing a big star, I don't know how this could not live up to the hype. I thought it absolutely lived up to the hype. 
Um, I think this is what the fandom wants. That was a huge announcement. And so for me, Kyle, it's pretty hard to take anybody who covers professional wrestling serious if you didn't think that this was a huge announcement. Yeah. Okay, first of all, we'll go there. But let's just backtrack one bit. With the whole big picture of Tony Khan and his major announcements, I've seen online there's kind of a fatigue you see from some people. Oh, Tony Khan, a major announcement. One of these again? What do you want him to do? Like, I mean, to me, he's a pro wrestling promoter. He's going to promote. I made that point on the show with Liam. And the hype for these things, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan and Justin. It seems that whatever these major announcements end up being, most reasonable people have figured it out by day of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, so yeah. if if well, you've worked something up in your mind that's going to be something and it's a letdown, it's kind of on you. Like, I mean, if you wake up on Wednesday and think Tony Khan's going to announce nuclear disarmament, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just that's just not grounded in reality. Tony Khan met with Vladimir Putin last night yeah. and uh, the invasion is over. Yeah. And it's no. just been two. It's not like he's doing this every week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We made that point on the extra show we said you, you don't want to get in the territory of you know tony shivani nitro you're, oh this is the biggest nitro of all time felt like he was saying that every single week mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i mean what do you want no announcements <laughs> do you want the promotion not to try new things i don't know it, to me it's something they've established when tony khan has a major announcement there's going to be something interesting and now let's get to the bad faith actors shall we because this <laughs> yes, is where this yes, podcast please. is going to be fun I mentioned, or because there's been a lot of, well, you know, who is this really a big deal? I mean, it, it only appeals to AEW's existing audience. Well, again, I'm going to say for the third time in five minutes, that's a good thing. This should be their third biggest show of the year? Probably? Yeah, yeah. I mean, besides Double or Nothing and All Out? All Out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the idea that somehow appealing to your existing audience or only appealing to your existing audience is bad is some of the most WWE-pilled shit i ever done here. Man, It keep in mind, WWE is a promotion that, while still more popular than AEW, there's no disputing that, they've been siphoning fans for 20 years in large part. Why? Because they don't appeal to their existing fan base. I mean, now yeah. we're at a point where we know there's one and a half million people who will watch, you know, Vince McMahon jack off for three hours. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, I mean, you know, and then like, you know, one of the, one of the co-opted media, by the time we get to the third hour, we're like, ooh, ooh, I wonder, I wonder if this they're setting the stage for Linda returning by him doing this. You know, I mean, that, that's where we're at with that group. But and WWE actually, to be fair, they're doing you know, a pretty good job right now of appealing to its existing fan base. But yeah. for something to succeed, it needs to have an audience. And this has an audience. Take a look at CNN Plus, this disgraced endeavor. Okay, if you're paying attention to the news. <laughs> CNN, cable news, that's a more mainstream thing than AEW and pro wrestling, right? There was no audience for CNN Plus. There's an audience for this AEW New Japan uh, super show. It might be a niche audience, but it's a large enough niche audience to make it successful, which we'll get into. And, and for the record, WWE is a niche audience. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan, Justin, it's a larger niche again than AEW, but it's a niche nonetheless. It's not like WWE is water cooler discussion at the office, right? Like I work by myself from home, so I'm not a good example. But my guess, Ryan, all right, in the teacher's room, the daily discussion isn't Ukraine, NBA playoffs, Seth freaking Rollins. <laughs> My guess that's not how it goes. Yeah. You know, that's not how that goes, I guess. So there's an – and things can be successful without your neighbors knowing about it, I think is the next point. We we talk, yeah. We talk. started making cute jokes, Liam and I, on the uh, extra show, but look at all Japan, New Japan, AAA in the 90s, even New Japan now. When, when AAA was out drawing WWE and WCW in L.A. in the 90s, do you think Antonio Pena was worried that Jim down the road had never heard of his promotion? No, he didn't give a sure shit. Sure, kept him up many nights. Yeah. So yeah, man. You know, even the argument that this is just for their existing fans doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, like, so they're putting Dynamite and Rampage on the New Japan Network, right? They're going to start airing that on their mm-hmm. streaming service. Yeah, New Japan well, World. Doesn't this pay per view? Won't this maybe reach out to maybe just New Japan fans? Be like, hey, look at this big time deal. Maybe you know, get them more interested in AEW and bring in more fans. Which is, you know, they're not casual, but yeah, that no, that's a good point because the idea that every AEW fan watches New Japan and vice versa is not true. Yeah, yeah. I've been told by at least one person. So this. This event is going to happen right after Dominion, which is typically New Japan's second biggest show of the year outside of Wrestle Kingdom. This is going to happen just a couple of weeks after that. And then the G1 starts in July, mid-July, runs through mid-August, that this should be leading to some AEW talent doing the G1. Hmm. Should lead into that. So there's the talent share. Yep, moving back the other direction. Uh, I wanted to say in regards to like booking for a more general audience. I mean, I've seen all the jokes on Twitter about all the bad faith politics articles we deal with every four years, yeah. you know, about, oh, how do you appeal I, to this centrist was, voter who's voted yeah. both directions in the past and how <laughs> I, nauseating that is? Yeah, I was so happy to see those on Twitter because I told the joke <laughs> on the extra show and I didn't think it landed well. I was like, yeah, was that too inside baseball? And then I see everyone else making it. So yeah. I'm patting myself on the back. But what I want to say about that is, if you look at every time the business has boomed post rock and wrestling, it did work. You know, that was a general audience with the MTV and the music and stuff. Okay. I'll give you that. But you look at the times the business has boomed after that. So Austin 316 NWO, those were wrestling centric angles. Those aren't, those aren't angles that you would go in thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to appeal to the mass audience. You know, they were just good wrestling angles and they grew the business because it was good wrestling television and people were interested. I don't think a New Japan show is going to do that because it is a foreign company. It'll, it'll draw, drum up some interest. But again, like you and Liam were talking about this. I think Liam made the point of the pay-per-view conversion rate that AEW does, which is phenomenal when you look at this company doing about a million viewers every week and they'll do 200,000 pay-per-view buys i mean that's mind-blowing and wwe would kill to have that kind of conversion back in the day on their Mm pay-per-views so they have a loyal audience this appeals to the loyal audience it might draw in a few more fans that are indie fans slash you know new japan fans 
there's it's only positive. This and, is the dream scenario for their most hardcore fans. That's who you want to satisfy. It is if you're just an AEW fan in general, isn't this like one of the most exciting things they can do? Like it might be yeah. more exciting than full gear or revolution to you. Mm-hmm. Like it might be what, you know, I mean, if you're just somebody, oh, wow, this, this is, you know, I, I think that's certainly a possibility. And in terms of growing your audience, look, no one's saying that you shouldn't try to grow your audience. Yeah, we should try to grow your audience. I don't think Tony Khan's like, okay, I'm cool with this 970,000 <laughs> people that watch every week. I'm, I don't want any more. These are, these are my people. No, but there's two kinds of fans, okay, there, that aren't watching AEW. One is WWE fans that, for whatever reason, don't like AEW. And it's clear that the, those people, for whatever reason, being close-minded or otherwise, they're not coming over anymore. They know about the product, and they've decided they don't want to watch it. And it what, would be a mistake. Mis- go ahead. What, what's it called when uh, uh, hostages start to sympathize with the people that are holding them hostage? I think that's what's going on there. Stockholm Syndrome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah, what's yeah. happening with those. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. It would be a mistake, and I think we would all agree to this. It would be a mistake to cater to those people at the expense of your currently satisfied audience. If you're Tony Khan, you don't want to be like, oh, shit, you know what? WWE has more fans than us, so I should. That's never worked. WCW tried doing that under Herd. TNA always tried doing it, and it, it doesn't work. You know, when WCW surpassed WWF for those famous 83 weeks, they were different. They were Bischoff, who... I don't care for as listeners of this podcast know has always been, you know, very forthright and consistent in saying, you know, when he took over, he listed a bunch of things that WWF does this. So I'm going to do this instead. And it was successful. So they shouldn't cater to those people. But now you kind of talked about this moments ago, Ryan, everyone else, people that just aren't watching wrestling, there's never a guarantee you can actually attract these people. You can't deliberately do something and say, okay, here's an angle, and my God, the dam is going to break. We are going to bring in 200,000 fans with this angle if we do it, guys. You can't do that. There's just no, no like, I mean, okay, there's some things that you probably sit back and say, oh, fuck, this is pretty good. But you can't just create that. And the, the dam breaks, all those fans come, as you alluded to, Ryan, when you get a super hot product that the existing fan base is really excited about, something like the NWO in Austin McMahon. You know, when people are starting, you're like, wow, this is getting like real popular over here. What's going on? That's what attracts those people, not a specific angle. It's just the word of mouth and recognizing, hey, this is a popular thing. Yeah. No, there's a lot going on. I mean, so you think of growing your audience. Yes, again, you want to grow your audience. It's not a general audience. It's never really been an interest in wrestling that's going to come back. The audience that you can attract are the people that used to watch wrestling, perhaps during the Monday Night War when there was, what, seven, eight million more people watching professional wrestling on a weekly basis than there are right now. You might be able to get some of those people back. Mm -hmm. But the more just the general, like, they always use this term about, you know, the casual fan doesn't exist. That's not a real thing with pro wrestling. As you said, it's a niche audience. So 
if you look at what if you look at what WWE has been doing and all of their celebrity involvement, if any of that actually grew the audience, they wouldn't be hemorrhaging their audience. Because if you look, I just looked it up five years ago this week, WWE was doing over three million viewers for Raw, and they're doing at one and a half now. <laughs> They've lost like fifty percent of their and, audience and, 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 from five is, years ago. There is cord cutting and stuff, but still, I mean, you, you just go back. I mean, there cord cutting does not explain the entire loss of WWE audience streaming factor. Yeah. Streaming services factor into television ratings too. I know like some people, Mm -hmm. maybe they don't watch cable at all and they, they catch stuff on YouTube, but still they've lost a sizable percentage of their audience over the last five to 10 years while reaching out to mainstream, you know, bringing in the bad bunnies and you know, everybody else they brought in celebrity wise. I mean, that hasn't grown their audience whatsoever, but if anything, maybe it's turned off their existing audience because they do that kind of thing too much to a fault yeah and you know it's funny tape machines who i know all three of us know he's he, he does good match reviews and stuff he had a tweet it's like oh my god my favorite rapper bad buddy's coming to wwe and now i'm <laughs> going to watch their nine hours of television every week and their monthly <laughs> review live they bring these people with like 100 million followers on instagram <laughs> and stuff but like it doesn't make a difference you don't see any effect on the business whatsoever okay. you know like uh yeah, like I said, they're doing less viewers on all of their television shows every single year. And if any of that worked, you would see it moving the opposite direction. Uh, can, so. can we talk about the most laughable point of this whole discussion now? Because this is yes. what needs, because we, we can yes. go in these weird directions and stuff, but it's really a waste of time because of this point. The most fascinating thing about all of this stupid discourse is that everyone, <laughs> even the bad faith actors, Okay, are under the assumption that this show will sell out and sell out quickly. Yes, <laughs> well, I mean it's so. Please tell me, Justin Joint, how a show that appeals to an existing fan base and sells out quickly is somehow not successful. <laughs> please explain that to me. I don't understand. Now, okay, fair is fair. We're an objective podcast. Always have been. Always will. If this show does struggle to draw for whatever reason, and no one thinks that's the case, but if it does, then there's a problem. But I don't think, it, but it, right? I mean, I don't know who if, if you've talked to anyone of note or what Ryan, Ryan today, but like, I mean, the expectations this show is going to sell out probably oh, yeah. right away, right? I mean, yeah, it's expected to be a tough ticket. I'm, I'm hoping to go. I don't for sure know if I'm going to be able to go yet or not. I'm hoping to go. And I mean, I'm worried about getting tickets, to be honest with you, or not sitting. Look, the United Center is a very large building. It is uh, the largest, I believe it is the largest capacity arena in the United States. I mean, so depending on setup, depending on setup, uh, they could do standing room there too. They do that for Bulls games sometimes. Uh, Depending on how big the stage is, I mean, they could get 20,000 people in there. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I know when they had Rampage there, the capacity wasn't that large. They had cut off, you know, sections of, of the building for the entranceway and stuff. So we'll see how they set it up. But yeah, I mean, they're going to do, what, 16,000 plus for the show. And <laughs> it's expected to happen right away. I mean, it's going to be a big success. Yeah. Um, Kyle, I see you, you had in the notes, too, about what's the effect on All Out. Yes. And I believe Tony has commented this year that All Out will be in Chicago. I think... Who was that the other day? Um, I think, is it ad-free shows, which, you know, is Conrad's company and they used to do StarCast and stuff. I think they've announced they're doing events in Chicago over Labor Day weekend already. Well, by I think God, I saw that on Twitter. If, so, if, Conrad, if Conrad Thompson says he's going somewhere, then that's where the money is, apparently. 
I, th- I mean, I mean, they're not. I don't think they're taking all out out of Chicago. Okay. I don't yeah, think it's I gonna don't, happen. Okay, because my next question with that is, I was, I was gonna pose that to you, but um, we you've already answered it. I, I, I <laughs> guess the gun here. no, no, no. I'm glad you did. But the non, I guess this question's irrelevant. I was gonna say, you know, taking Chicago. If you take all out away from Chicago, do you would you have risked a Starcade out of Greensboro situation? Remember Starcade in '87. Pete, it's Meltzer wrote for years. The people of Greensboro never forgave the NWA for taking Starcade yeah. away from them. So, but if they're not going to do it, then that's a silliness, silly question. I mean, obviously they they could change the schedule, but I'm fairly certain I had seen Tony at some okay. point this year comment that it, yeah, that's the tradition. And I think he had even said they were con- going to continue doing it at the Now Arena, which I was hoping they wouldn't because it's in the middle of nowhere and it's a small building and it's it's a tough ticket. They could yeah. definitely sell more more tickets than that they could run it at the united center they could run it at i don't know if wwe has an exclusive but if they could run the all-state it's a little bit smaller than united center but it's closer to the city so i I don't know justin do you think they should ever move all out from chicago um i mean i'm they keep selling it like they do keep selling out then i don't i don't see why they should you know it'd be nice if, if they keep growing you know to the point where maybe they need a big stadium show if the bears could hurry up and build something new, that'd be nice. But yeah. that's the only way I'd see them ever taking it somewhere else is if they have the ability to sell out that big of a, a show it, but you know, Chicago wouldn't be able to provide that. No. By the way, yeah. We, there was some speculation about that for this show. I did see some sites running with this narrative that it was going to be a stadium show. And from the person I talked to, that was never under discussion. It was always going to be at the United center. I don't, that would have been a difficult pull to, on short notice, sell out a stadium. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think Wrigley actually was open that week. I looked up the calendar. Soldier Field even bigger. Like, that's not going to happen on short notice. And, and an event like this, I don't know if it would have been the right time. Probably not. But, yeah, I was told it was always the United Center. I think I wrote an article last week on SE Scoops about United Center was the plan. So... Yeah, it's, it's going to sell out. It's going to be huge. It lived up to my expectations. I was hoping that would be it. It kind of leaked that that was definitely the case. And, you know, then after I had confirmation from some people, I was excited about it. I'm very excited to hopefully go. I don't know if I can rope Kyle Ross into going to Chicago again, but it'd be great to get the crew together. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's in the midst of a very hectic summer travel schedule for yours. Yes. Truly. I've loaded yes. up after two years of no travel. I've, we've loaded <laughs> We were not shy about the vacations. Um, by the way, it's interesting that we were, you know, I made the Starcade reference. Where did they move when they took it away from Greensboro? Where did they put it? Chicago. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. kind of an interesting connection there, I guess. But uh, what did you guys think about the announcement itself on Dynamite? I thought it was a little clumsy. Tony is so yeah. freaking goofy, man. <laughs> like, Jack, I'm not wearing that. He's, yeah, he's wearing that jet, you know. Uh, you know, it's New Japan. They're treating it totally professional. And then, yeah, yeah, Tony looks like he's ready for a night on the town. And then you have Adam Cole, Bay Bay, and Jay White interrupting and, like, kind of cut promos. I didn't really like that. Yeah, it was, it was a clumsy way to introduce this Bullet Club versus Undisputed Elite angle, which looks to be a possible headliner for that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My my thought was, was Adam Cole 
do you think like he was just able to deliver the announcement more professionally than Tony would have been? <laughs> like I, I thought, like Cole, here's a guy he's you know a performer on the show, but I thought he was like a total pro laying yeah. out the announcement. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, t- would Tony have been able to do it that well? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a nice touch to have the New Japan uh, president there. Mm-hmm. I like that. That was a cool surprise. Um, it was a little awkward how it was interrupted, but I, I thought like you did, Kyle, that maybe. Tony wasn't confident about his performance abilities in this situation. So that's why they did that. But yeah, it's it's going to tie into the show for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And you mentioned maybe some AEW guys going over and working the G1. Here's another reason you do this. Brian Danielson, when he signed, wasn't the talk that an ability to work New Japan, one of the reasons he signed with AEW? Mm-hmm. That alone mm-hmm. justifies doing shows like this <laughs> because it was a reason you got Brian Danielson. Yeah. Does yeah, Kenny get the Omega Cool Combat Club to go worldwide? Yeah. There you go. Does Kenny Omega return in time for this show? Boy, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping so. He's gonna I'm feel a lot see of pressure. Him at double or nothing. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna feel a lot of pressure. You think it's like you know? I only he knows how he's. Well, I'm sure some others around him know how he's doing, but. My guess is, you know, a show, he's going to feel a lot of pressure to want to come back and work this show. But you know, Probably more more so than Double or Nothing. Yeah, but, I, to to clarify, I don't mean um work a match at Double or Nothing, but like appear at the event, either yeah. a run in or just come out or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, is this like pressure on himself? Or I mean, I can't imagine that he's going to make or break, you know, selling out. They they have enough talent. No, no, to sell no, it no. Out. I, I mean, like personally. He mm-hmm. wants to yeah, work okay. the show, is my guess. Like he, he's yeah. he's like, okay, wow, this is a big. I want to work that. So, hundred percent. What do you headline with? I guess I don't know the answer to that. I mean, gut reaction is Punk has to headline with some kind of dream match, and then that's going to factor in our discussion about double or nothing. And does Punk go over there so he comes into the show as the world champion? And then do you do a a world he, champion versus world champion no. match with Okada? Punk's been teasing Okada on his social yeah, media. Yeah, he has of been. And, and, then, and then politically, how do you get out of that? Are we going to have Rick Knox and red shoes? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Take a that's, three count? that's yeah. why you can't do that. There's just no good way out of that one. Rick so Knox. Does that mean Punk doesn't win the title at Double or Nothing and they still do the match with Okada? It's going to be really interesting. Red shoes will have seen uh, Punk throw Okada over the top rope, but uh, David Manning will run in for old time's sake and count the three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if they do. The stuff with, uh, like, you know, they lean to with Cole and everything and, and Jay White. I think Punk's got to be in the main event. They, I think that that would be the semi-main. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, dream matches then? I mean, we, we're kind of getting at that there with... To me, I, I know people have been talking, and I even see it in the chat here. People throwing out uh, Kenta versus Punk, GTS versus GTS, and Kenta threw out the challenge on yeah, uh, Twitter. How do you guys feel about that match? Eh, I think Punk needs to work something bigger. No offense. I know Kenta yeah. would love that situation, but he's working at angle there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a dynamite main event more than a pay-per-view. Yeah. I 100% agree. I That doesn't do it for me for this show at all. I got to see him work Okada if that's my number one. I mean, there's obviously really? other options. More, yeah. More so, oh, yeah. You'd rather see that than Okada and Danielson? I'd like to see Danielson potentially work Zack Sabre Jr., Maybe Tanahashi. But to, to me, Okada and Punk is the match I want to see right now. Yeah, I would have said 
Punk and Tanahashi and then do Okada and Danielson. Although I, I definitely at some point in my life need to see Zack Sabre Jr. versus Danielson. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like you're right. The political ramifications have to factor. You can't do like a double pin or something where neither. I, um, I don't know. Punk Okada because they teased it. I mean, that does seem like the biggest match you could do. But at the same yeah. time, here's something to consider. It's the first time they're doing this. You mentioned, I think, Brian, or am I dreaming this? That this could be an, a, a regular, like an annual occurrence. They do something with New Japan. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to do, I guess, the biggest match right away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Punk Okada really does stand out to me. Mm-hmm. I saw. I was seeing some uh, some other people throw stuff out there today, and all of it seemed well, okay. One thing that's interesting is how the women factor in. So you got to think there's going to be maybe like crossover with Stardom, which is like the sister mm-hmm. promotion of New Japan, because New Japan doesn't have the women. So there's going to probably be Stardom on this show as well for the women, because they're not going to completely leave out the women. So. I don't know. There's a there's a lot of ways you could go here. I mean, you could have Sammy Guevara working Will Ospreay. You could have Takagi getting involved with Sammy Guevara potentially. Of course, we got Jay White on the show. Where does Adam Page factor in? Um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, who does I, FTR work? I think you there know? could be like. Do you like the idea also of like an AEW guy teaming with the New Japan guy or something like that? Nah. Yeah. Somebody. I think oh, it you could don't? work. Okay. I, I like that because it's like a. It's a tag team you wouldn't normally see any other time in the year. I like that. Yeah. So, but is this just going to be like a bunch of dream matches with kind of no real stakes or are we, are we going to need some like actual title matches in there or qualifiers for G1 or, I mean, it can't just kind of feel like a exhibition show. Yeah. G1 for sure. I think we'll have. We'll have. I think the rest of the show is going to be built up as dream matches that you can only see one night of the year. Um, but yeah. I do think there'll be yeah qualifiers for the G1 or some tie-in with the G1, for sure. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, okay, I see what you're saying. You don't want these matches just to exist in a vacuum, and then it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, I, I think if you want to keep the relationship going, you do run some sort of angle. What that is, I don't know offhand. It's hard to do it, though, at the same time, because I don't want them to do this all the time. I want it to yes. stay like a special deal. So if you're only going to run one mm-hmm. show a year, do do a few tie-ins here and there, like how, how the New Japan talent has worked Dynamite, um, and you know do the G1 involvement. You well, know, that's, what I'm, that's what but I'm saying. Like, but outside like, of the G1, like how do you really work a storyline? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm like saying. You, you don't need some big invasion type storyline. I'm saying yeah. like you do something at the show that bleeds into like the G1 or something like that. I don't know. Like you like Danielson, I don't know. That's something that enhances his involvement or gives him a reason to get involved with the G1. You know, as far as this being like an once a year occurrence, I I think this first one's going to be the only one that truly feels special because as this relationship grows, I mean, you don't think we're going to keep getting guys jumping back and forth, you know, especially with, you know, I'd assume Moxley and Danielson will both be in the G1. We're going to see a bunch of these, you know, quote unquote dream matches uh, through the course of the year. Uh, so, you know, you know, come around next year to another 
AEW New Japan show, and we'll probably have already seen a lot of the matchups. That's a good point. Yeah, after a while, the well will run dry. So it's it's a little difficult though, just because of the the distance we're talking about be, between the promotions and the schedules. You know, like whoever works the G one, they're gonna be off AEW television for a month. So most likely, I doubt they're gonna be mm-hmm. traveling back and forth. So insert uh, joke here <laughs> about being off be, AEW TV for a month. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be if you if you have an absolute tippy top star, though, someone who does appear on the show every every single week, it, it will be a commitment to be off for a few weeks. But yeah, I don't know. There's challenges, but it's it's very exciting for sure. I think Tim mentioned in the chat like one night stand. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't have the huge storylines going in. Uh, you know, you had like the cash in situation with RPD and stuff. But overall, they're just special matches for one night. Hopefully no one beats the shit out of Blue Meanie this time. <laughs> uh jesse in the chat uh, we are living in a world where punk will go from his couch seven years removed from being an active competitor to likely wrestling okada at the united center not on my 2022 bingo card no kidding well said yeah wild good take uh should we transition to kyle you had some thoughts from dynamite you want to yeah. discuss yeah let's blow through this maybe i could do this in excalibur like fashion <laughs> it's like ryan doing the old ad reads or uh, yeah get those get those plugs in subscribe by the way i didn't even do that tonight please subscribe uh, to our channels subscribe to the youtube channel subscribe to the podcast feeds okay go ahead kyle all right so let's talk about punk i thought punk and dustin was very good yes. i don't know about you guys uh yeah uh i saw some people describe it as a pwo message board dream match that made me laugh <laughs> uh, it very much was uh credit to those guys for getting the crowd to bite on a few near falls on punk because mm-hmm. the idea of him losing to dustin Rhodes in 2022 seems quite ludicrous yeah so, like the fact that somebody would be like oh my like you know would actually buy into that 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 is a testament to the work but not only that but a testament to how beloved dustin Rhodes is Yes, yeah. good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Um, and but most importantly, I think, is afterwards we get the first official tease of Page and Punk. You know, I mean, Punk had been doing the you know discount. You know, as Jim Ross said, the not discount double check, but whatever. The just you know the belt motion. Liam and I talked about this a bit on the extra show. How would you guys book that match right now, Punk versus Page at Double or Nothing? Because it's obviously going to be the headliner. So mm-hmm. here's what I would do. I would have them do a battle royal and they come face to face towards the end of it. And then in the following <laughs> weeks, they they just kind of trade hitting each other with their finishing maneuvers. And the week before the pay-per-view, you put out a, a video package to Limp Biscuits my way <laughs> with those two. That's what I would do. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going Rumble 90 at first when he started going into it. And it's like, oh, okay, I see where he's going. <laughs> that works too. That works too. That's good. Um, no, uh, seriously though, uh, I don't know if they could play into it, but I think a lot of people have been a little disappointed with Hangman's title run. And if you can play into that where maybe Hangman doesn't feel like he's been getting the respect he deserves, he's barely on Dynamite. You know, when he is just for a few minutes and even though he's he's out here putting on these classic matches. I'm not on the collector's cups. That'd, that'd be a good shout out back to the pipe pop. Uh, but, you know, in, in his mind, the way to get that respect, uh, and he was the one who came out after Punk's match is, uh, hey, I got to beat Punk to get the, the respect I deserve as champion. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Who wins? Punk. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. I would have Punk win. I think, yeah, the dynamics can be difficult with them both being baby faces. I mean, you kind of hinted at it, Justin. Do you consider turning Paige? No. I, what do you think, Kyle? No. no. Go ahead. Finish your thought, Justin. Sorry. No, I, I don't think the fans are in any way, shape, or form ready to boo Hangman Page. It's not that Punk is, or pardon me, Page is doing a bad job. It's that his title win and ascent coincided with the biggest possible thing that AEW could have done, which was bringing CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it with the time, I think Punk wins here and then down the line towards the end of Punk's run, maybe he's a heel at that point and he puts Page back over. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're thinking long term, that's the strategy if you're Tony Khan. That's my only big question mark with this is I think he got to go punk. I, I, I The fear with Paige winning is the fans turning on him because they want to see punk win so badly. And what do you do with punk? That yeah. Thing. But then like punk's title reign. My first assumption was, well, that's going to end with MJF getting his first title run. Um. So I just, I don't know. I have a tough time seeing Hangman being the one to get it back I'll, as much as I'd love to see that, especially against a, a heel punk. Well, I'm not even necessarily saying he's the one who ends that run. Like, I'm just just down the line. Oh, gotcha. maybe, it's not, okay. maybe it's not even a title match at that time. Maybe gotcha. Hangman just beats him in a one-on-one. But I, I do think if you're putting Punk over Page at double or nothing, which we all agree is probably going to happen, Punk has to do the honors back. Or, I mean, if Hangman just struggled, then maybe you don't have to. But I don't know. I, I think that's something you'd want to keep in your back pocket. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Again, on Punk winning, I feel like he's th- he feels like the biggest thing on the show every week. Yes. He's still getting massive reactions. I mean, he's been back several months now. And the time is now. Like, this guy doesn't have years and years left on his career. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to wrestle that long. So you can't keep putting it off. This You got to strike while the iron's hot. Adam Page is going to be wrestling for a long time, knock on wood. You can always run it back with him. Um, but with uh, yeah, with Punk, who knows what the future holds. I would go to him right now. I probably wouldn't turn Page either. I just brought it up because it seems like I think you could rationalize it because there is room at the top of the card for a top heel in that kind of world title level picture. Because don't you think when Kenny comes back, he's going to get cheered? Yes. You know what? So here's what I was thinking, though. Like, all right, if you don't turn... Because if you turn Paige, here's the thing. You're not going to justify the turn by having him succeed. And Mm -hmm. by succeed, I mean winning the title back. At least I don't think you would do that. So it'd be like a dead-end turn. And it's very funny what you just brought up with Omega. I agree with you. He'll be cheered when he comes back, for sure. And Liam and I were talking about what you do with the undisputed era moving forward, the undisputed elite. And this came to me after we recorded. What if you reunited hangman and Omega as baby faces to feud with the undisputed elite? Ooh, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Cause I I don't know. I I think that's something they might do. Um, I do like uh, Tim's comment here about a win over punk would help him, uh, really legitimize page as a main eventer. And that does have me thinking, does does a loss to punk kind of hurt him? 
at all. I mean, he's had some big wins, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean here's the thing, okay? Because people are gonna like. There's the argument that well, you should just go on to Punk right away. I don't necessarily agree with that because you just didn't know. You know, I think Punk wasn't confident yet in his abilities. He's working off seven years of ring rust, remember? And it's not, you know, the people who want to just like throw this Adam Page title run on the scrap heap of life to me are out to lunch. This is a guy who, as world champion, was able to decisively beat Brian Danielson, Mm -hmm. beat Adam Cole twice. To me, the story is not that this guy's some failure. Here's two guys. Fresh off WWE television, apparently they can't cut it where the big boys play. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I mean, I, I think Paige's run has been very good. It's just Punk is the big, like you said, Ryan. He's the biggest thing on the show, and he should be the champion right now. Yeah. For the record, I one thousand percent agree with you. I have actually loved Hangman's title run. It's just you, you hear the chatter that it's it's been a well, disappointment and, to some. And again, people could check this out on that extra show to plug it one last time. I don't think that's necessarily all Hangman's fault. He hasn't been made to mm-hmm. feel like the centerpiece yeah. of the promotion. But all right, let's. I'm really gonna have to go Excalibur here now. <laughs> all right, Wheeler Yuta. He continued to prove that he is worthy of being in the Blackpool Combat Club so much so that I could probably argue you don't need to add anyone else to this group right now. Thoughts? Yeah. yeah go ahead. No, I yeah I agree. Especially if there's the possibility of some trios titles coming. You think about them in the house of black and got the undisputed elite. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, in a s- small side note, uh, small thing that to me is a big upgrade, his change of tights. One of the things I didn't really like about Wheeler Yuta was his previous tights. Big people hated here. those tights. <laughs> I do like the blood. Yeah. The look with yeah. the blood is, is cool. Uh, and the other thing just for this match that I'd point out is Daniel, uh, Danielson wearing merch, which he said he doesn't like to do, which obviously I think he's doing that because some of that money is going into Regal's pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you you risk watering it down. It feels perfect right now. Now, four people is not a huge group. It's not the old NWO by any means. Uh, four could work, but it just feels so perfect. What Justin mentioned with the trio situation coming up probably at some point. Uh, you got Regal doing the manager bit. I, I think it's perfect right now. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't add anyone to it right now. You can keep it running and maybe down the line, but it feels just right. Yeah, it it also depends the, on... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so Regal's having the time of his life on commentary, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the main thing is it was all. It would all just depend on who it would be if they brought in a fourth. Mm-hmm. True. But I mean, like, I think by not bringing in a fourth, it's really allowing that spotlight on Yuta, and he's delivering right now. Uh, he's absolutely yeah. delivering. He came off as a huge star in that match. They the, the fans were all about him. And uh, speaking of the match, I, I love the spot at the end when all three of them just started beating the crap out of somebody with the yeah. elbow strikes and the kicks to the face. And, and on the other side of the trios match last night, Lee Moriarty, the hometown boy, he got a little shine on the losing side. That was good. But, you know, we talked about earlier Punk and Dustin being a PWO message board dream match i thought that trios match last night was straight out of wcw saturday night 1992 or worldwide from that year and i mean that is a total compliment right that was just like they used to love running those six mans uh on the b shows back in the day uh wardlow mjf that feud continues to progress in a positive direction 
Do you guys think AEW could, quote-unquote, get away with doing Wardlow versus Sean Spears at double or nothing? Reason being, you don't want to beat MJF two pay-per-views in a row. Mm. Boy, that's risky. Yeah, I don't don't necessarily like that. I mean, as far as selling tickets goes, yes, they can get away with it. There's going to be enough other stuff. Uh, (laughs) And there's not a ticket to be had from what I understand. Yeah, that too. That that too. That too. (laughs) Yeah. I think that would be disappointing. I, I would rather see shenanigans in an MJF win. Wow. I was going to say the opposite. I would like if they just went over the top with shenanigans and Wardlow overcame them against mm-hmm. Spears. Well, just in, in, in regards to you don't want MJF losing two pay-per-views in a row. And yes. what, what would you do with MJF? Would he just accompany Spears to the ring and not work the show? I, that's an interesting thing because i don't know what else he would do yeah that's i mean i, mean, I don't such want, I, a big event yeah but i mean they, i don't know they it, haven't it, had double or nothing in vegas since the debut either this is supposed to be a yearly thing in vegas it's it feels like a huge weekend and you know the guy wants to wrestle on the show and it's not like the fans are going to revolt but there would be disappointment i think yeah i, I just I, i'm thinking about this and you could have mjf make the mistake of entrusting spears and spears is the one who blows it Mm-hmm. Losing, you know, Wardlow gains his freedom at Spears' expense. And then MJF uses that as an excuse to just, like, dump Spears. And he kind of has to create a whole new group from scratch. I don't know. I, I mean, again, I don't know. It could just be Wardlow and Spears is going to happen. I, I understand that most people think that's a TV match. But at yeah. the same time, we talk about the pacing of those pay-per-views. True. Wardlow and Spears, you know. You're getting to that third hour of pay-per-view time. You might welcome that match mm-hmm. at that point of the pay-per-view. Who knows? Who knows? Just the thought I had. Uh, Chad Repack can't go show up. Mention that guy. Uh, <laughs> he messaged me earlier today with an idea that next week on Dynamite, because Wardlow's working Lance Archer, and they did the promo with Jake Roberts. Uh, MJF did. They should do an angle. This was Chad's idea. Where after Wardlow wins next week, he gets handcuffed again. And then Jake brings the Cobra back. Oh, my God. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Yeah, he he was very happy with himself on that idea. I (laughs) I thought it was a great idea, quite frankly. Well well done, Chad. I like that. Um, Kyle O'Reilly got a much-needed win last night. I thought JR's O.O. O'Reilly joke landed, by the way. I chuckled (laughs) when he did that. Kind of shocked Jungle Boy lost clean. And again, there was no Christian turn. My God, by this point, I'll be 62 years old when Christian turns heel. Um, they're leaning into it, though. Like, you wondered yeah. when he came out if it was coming. So well, like, if That would have been real odd, though. Like, after he loses clean, then Christian turns on him. Then you're like, geez, what a loser this Jungle Boy is. <laughs> for, yeah, for I mean, me, it, would, it came out with a look like maybe he's disappointed in him. He's going to mm-hmm. slap him, you know, or something. Continue. But for me, it wasn't so much Jungle Boy losing. It was just it, the ending of the match felt a little off. It felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I think the win did a lot more for Kyle O'Reilly than it probably would have done for Jungle Boy. I mean, he's kind of a made man at the moment. And as, we, as we've all mentioned in recent podcasts, whether it be me and Ryan last week or you on Extra, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's been kind of floundering since yes. he came into AEW. So he needed it. Does he look like, I don't know, like he's kind of like not in great shape? Or is that me? I mean, I'm not in great shape, okay? Let's not, like, I don't know. He just seems like he's not, like, in in 
as good a shape as he was in an NXT physically. Am I seeing things? I don't uh, know. I would have to compare some photos. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Before and after. Uh, um, Hook and Danhausen crowds seem to be into that. By the way, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, I know you'll love this one, Ryan. Uh, typically a dead crowd for WWE through the years. I mean, Pittsburgh has been some of those comatose crowds for Raw in history. They are, they've been hot for AEW now both times. Is that where uh, Bret Hart said you'd stick the hose for the enema? Yes, it was. Back in yeah, the day. I, yeah, I don't think they've had a live crowd since that show uh, <laughs> yeah. for WWE. Yeah, well, that no, was probably King the best the, WWF. Well, King of the Ring 98 was a Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, after the glory period, right? I mean, Pittsburgh's always had that reputation as being a, a terrible audience. And speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, Britt Baker, I saw some people criticize her for her promo. She seemed a little winded. She was just throwing lines out willy-nilly. Yeah. That I, was interesting because, you know, you, you and Liam, again, plugging the extra show, um, you talked about how there might be some heat with Baker behind the scenes. Uh, and her, and Ro- her, her and Thunder Rosa. Her, her, and Thunder, her and Thunder Rosa. And she made the comment in this promo last night about, oh, you know, like the division, basically like the division's nothing without her kind of thing. <laughs> and, and she sounded like a little, not nervous, but like her a little shaky and i wondered if that was like nerves or just like real anger you know like she really meant what I, she was saying I, mean, she, I don't know probably had, reading into it too much but yeah. she did seem especially since it was her hometown she did seem a little not on edge but like maybe not as smooth as usual with the delivery she also had so. worked a match in over a month maybe i don't know maybe she was a little gassed yeah, I don't wonder. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that's like probably she, went, it, honestly. she didn't go Broadway, but I mean, and that's a reasonable thing. You know, you're a little tired after a match. You shouldn't be able to, you know, perform a, you know, Broadway right after doing a wrestling match. I don't think. Uh, I think the most, you know, whatever the promo was, what it was. I think the most important thing to come out of that segment to answer some of the criticism is Britt Baker still came across like a big time star yes. in her hometown with the terrible towels. And what I love the most is that. Uh, the two Steelers that came out, Najee Harris, good back. You know, I mean, he's he's a mm-hmm. key cog on that offense. They they didn't overshadow her. In WWE, you know, you would have had the announcers, like, you know, opining for, like, Franco Harris to descend from the heavens or something, <laughs> right? Yes. Here, they were the background. She was the foreground. And she came across as the bigger star than the two NFL players, and that's the way it should be. And at no. the end... It, at the end, did you notice? Did was it Najee Harris grabbed the microphone? Yes. And I thought he was going to cut him. Mic. And she was like, "No." And I like she it. like kind of like, oh. awkwardly handed it to him, like, uh, "Okay." And then he yeah. started talking, and you could faintly hear him, but they, yeah, they had the mic off. Okay, now it looked like he continued to talk to the crowd. <laughs> name me one time that the WWE has made a celebrity look better than an everyday <laughs> talent. <laughs> Let me count the ways. Has that, has that even happened recently? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's funny. I, I think with the way the matches have broke, that the SmackDown color commentator should be the number one contender for the U.S. title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about him live tomorrow night and talk oh, about that commentator. Jesus, turn it down. Um, <laughs> the misses on Dynamite were a very objective podcast. Okay, we're not going to just say they were all hits. There were Two, I thought the Sammy and Ty promo could have been better. Uh, Ty, let's just not sugarcoat this one, Iota. She looked very attractive. 
Okay. Uh, and she was willing to play the heel part. I thought she did mm-hmm. a good job. But it seemed like Sammy with his promo, I was thinking about it. He, it just was like, he came out and I think he was just sort of expecting the crowd to take over and carry the segment. Did you guys pick up on that? Cause it was a real half-assed promo. Like there was no justification or no, like, this is why I'm turning. It's like, okay, well, you know, we've heard the booze. All right, here I am. Boo me. And I just didn't think that was very good. Then like, I really don't know about men. Well, men of the year, there's a case that they could be baby faces, but I don't know about, Dynamite Dan Lambert being a baby face. That is odd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was my problem. The segment is just like, I, I don't like either of <laughs> of these groups. You know, it's like yeah. they're all unlikable. Do, do, do we wonder if they were running low on time and they were kind of like flustered? Because like when Men of the Year came out, my God, they were like trying to do, cut the promo at one and a half speed. <laughs> it mm-hmm. felt at least. So maybe that was the case. And then... uh the other thing that I didn't think that hit well last night was the Darby Andrade finish. Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I Dar- felt the same way about that as I did the the finish of Jungle Boy and Kyle O'Reilly. Just like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, because Darby, he hit one of those great topes that he mm-hmm. does, it, you know, onto Andrade in the ca- coffin, not a casket, the coffin, and it's like, okay, that should have ended it, but then they like kept going a couple more minutes with Jose, and then. I thought Jim Ross was pretty good most of last night, but did he forget that Jose's kind of in good shape? Because he did the thing, like Jose started taking his shirt off, and Jared's like, oh no, Jose, don't do that. But Jose's kind of like jacked yeah. for a guy who carries a tablet <laughs> around, man. Yeah, that match, just the match in general, did really do anything for me, to be honest with you. But- and I like Darby a lot. Andrade, just the, his run with AEW has been it- pretty underwhelming. It apexed pretty early with Sting. <laughs> there wasn't. Yeah, that was the best was, part of the match. It was. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I thought like after the Sting bit, it just kind of petered. And you know, with Andrade, okay, let's be fair. And, and and you know, maybe sometimes we're too critical of guys in the pecking order in WWE too. But like with Andrade, like okay, it has been. I guess probably for him, certainly disappointing the AW run. Could you name 10 people easily that deserve to be higher on the card than Andrade mm-hmm. in AEW right now? You probably could, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like he's, you know, he main evented the TV show, which is good. You know, he's, he's, he's had more TV main events than he ever had with WWE. Yeah. WWE only main evented the, what, the two SmackDowns against Ray, which were both great. And then, like, nothing was done with that. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, as you, as you are always pointing out, you know, you want to see guys in the appropriate spot and, that's where it kind of feels like we're at with Andrade right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, he should lose a few to Darby Allen. So mm-hmm. um, that's dynamite. I think. I think overall it was a very good show. I yeah. thought two weeks ago the one I missed um, was also very good. Before that disastrous ending, it was funny. I saw the chatter online. I'm reading Twitter while I'm overseas, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, people are really up in arms about this. How bad could this? Did this come off? And I watched it. And I was like, holy God, that was bad. I mean, like, like the worst part, it like I knew it was coming. And when the lights came back on and and Satin of Sig was there, you could have heard a pin drop. It was like awkward. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it was bad, it was just so awkward how just silent the crowd was. And then the booing. That's the question I posed to Ryan last week on the pod, and mm-hmm. I'll pose it to you here now. 
if they just don't do the lights out thing with him, like if he just comes down the ramp or comes from the crowd, is it fine? Or is it even better than fine? Okay. So before I saw it, I was, I had seen that talking point. I was like, that seems silly. Really? You people like think it was the lights out thing. That was the problem. Then I watched it. It absolutely was the problem. Yes. <laughs> they should not have. Yes. If he had just sauntered down and they'd be like, my God, who is this man? You know, and they, and then they, well, they knew who he was, but you know, look at the side. I think it would have worked better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin and I were doing a, a live watch party over on playback. For I would that, love to and- be a part of that. Well, you can, yeah, you can, you can watch it on demand. It's on our Patreon page. If you want to see Justin and I react, how we reacted to it in in real time, it's available on our Patreon page, the recording from that watch party. It was, as we said last week, it was not good. It was very bad. Yeah, it was not great. And props to Tony Khan. He admitted it. Mm -hmm. You know, he went on social media, said the ideas that fans were presenting, like what exactly what Justin said was, would have been a much better way to do it and that he would learn (laughs) from it. I like how he threw that guy with 30 years of experience out of the bus, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, cool. you know, I, I wouldn't have done it, but just somebody with 30 years of experience told me to do it that way. And, you know. <laughs> uh, Tim said in the chat, which ending was worse, that or the Kenny Mox match at Revolution last year? Um, boy. <laughs> the Kenny Moxing really upset me. Because yeah. Just because, like, yeah. I was the really stakes. excited for that and, like, into it, and it was just bad. Like, that was just... The, the match had been damn near perfect in the yes. story and everything with Kingston mm-hmm. coming down. That, yes. that was that was the ultimate crescendo that we were about to watch. And yeah. Yeah. awesome match before that. Awesome yeah. match. I sat and saying, I mean, that's something we've seen before. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. the debut of clumsy giants in, in bad spots. And we've seen the giant Gonzalez saunter out at the 93 Rumble. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they didn't turn the lights out for him, but it still sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um I don't know. We were gonna talk about Kushida. We still want to do that, or do you want to go to Kyle? Yeah, yeah right. let's, let's do, do this. Let's do Kushida's this quick. pretty quick. So right. is this the last vestiges of what we foolishly thought Triple H's NXT 1.0 could be? <laughs> With like the idea that Kushida was gonna get this big push. Remember, they called the a big press conference for his signing, Triple H. Regal. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, there is nothing in the Vince McMahon 40-year playbook that suggests a Japanese superstar or so, you know somebody who had had success over Japan was going to be treated like a big deal in the WWE. And remember, that was happening as Nakamura was starting to flounder on the main roster mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Voices of Wrestling, I think they just did a piece on WWE struggles pushing Japanese stars. But you know, I mean, it's like, are we just, is this just a, yet another example of we look back at NXT and we were fools for thinking that there was going to be some big sea change within <laughs> WWE? Like somewhat, like, like you look back now, like, fucking, we thought they were going to push Kushida? Kushida <laughs> was going to be a main, a main roster player? Like, what, were we idiots? I see, I don't ever, I don't get the feeling that he was ever a main roster. He was just going to be like that Johnny Gargano NXT yeah. lifer. You know, did I, they tell I him? Did like, they tell him that? Yeah, I always well, felt like kind of NXT centric too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel that's like asking him to come here. Oh, by the way, we're keeping you on the developmental brand. I mean, was, was he maybe well, asking this wasn't on my format, Tony? <laughs> well, it also kind of felt like NXT needed a boost. 
and that maybe he could give that to him. But yeah, yeah. didn't work out that way at all. Well, in retrospect, the writing was on the wall for Kushida pretty early in that run when there were the reports and Fightful reiterated mm-hmm. this. Um, I know in the report you shared with Justin and I, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, he didn't share it on social media. He shared it in DM, Sean Rossap. Don't get upset. Uh, <laughs> Come after me. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kushida was like waiting on a locker in NXT. Yeah. Remember that story? That like So it's like, oh, boy. And I remember hearing that at the time. I remember that. It's like, and thinking, you know, NXT's got a log jam problem right now. There's two, the, the pipeline ain't moving. And Kushida kind of came in at the time when a lot of people, you mentioned the Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, like all of a sudden guys in NXT weren't itching to go up to the main roster anymore. And Kushida, it took him forever to get on a takeover. You know, Mm -hmm. and for a guy who got a press conference to have to wait multiple takeovers to get on the card, that was a bad side, I thought, for the jump. Yeah. And, And... this needs to be said, okay? And I don't give a damn what anyone says. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. Fucking jacket time was oh. racist as fuck. <laughs> so bad. Okay, Sonny Ono is sued for less. <laughs> Dude, jacket Jacket time! Dude, that was like two steps away from Kai and Ty in 2000. Oh. I mean, they might as well just had those guys saying, indeed, that was bad. <laughs> and jacket time, that is like the jacket time. So bad. So bad. Did even like, other than the Gargano match, by the way, did Kushida even like, what, I, I know he had others on takeover. I can't remember anything he did other than that one Gargano match. Honestly, I've been sitting here trying to even figure out how long he's <laughs> been there. I know. So unremarkable. I, I wouldn't know. I had to look up the press conference today, so I know okay. that the press conference was 2019. Mm-hmm. Jacket time. <laughs> let's 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 move on to something. Well, not necessarily better, and that we're commemorating something sad, but better, and that we're talking about you know one of the all time greats, Kyle. And uh, you wanted to mention yesterday was the 23 year anniversary of the passing of. Rick Rude. Yeah, ravishing Rick Rude. I don't know if it was 420 or what, but I forgot to mention that on Facebook. So uh, <laughs> here we are now doing it on the podcast. I just want to ask you guys real quick, favorite matches, memories of ravishing Rick? He he is in one of my favorite memories of all time that I have mentioned on this podcast approximately a billion times. Clash of the Champions, where he beats Sting for the United States Championship. I knew you were going to mention that for sure. Yeah, it's to me, you know, because his WWF run, I was pretty young. I saw it all after the fact, but I know, like, I remember watching for the first time the feud with Jake and and putting Jake's wife on his tights. That was pretty memorable. The Warrior feud, you know, I was big into that as a kid. And then we always talk on the show about his WCW run and, you know, how it was even better, perhaps, than the Mm -hmm. WWF run. You talk about the Beach Blast. In-ring, definitely. Yeah, the the Beach Blast match, the 30-minute Iron Man match. As up there as one of his his best matches of all time, uh, I think I just doing this podcast with you guys who were actually fans of WCW in that era, unlike me who at that time I was just solid WWF. Like over the last almost six years doing this pod has opened my eyes many times to Rick Rude's work with WCW, and there's been 
it's came up multiple times that run with WCW where I have turned on that run different different points from that run while editing the podcast right after the fact when I always throw something on my office TV while I'm I'm mixing the pod for the next hour hour and a half and so I think over the last six years you know I've I've watched a lot of Rick Rude I've never even seen before and it, gained a greater appreciation for that. Just a little teaser when we record Spring Stampede '94, there's gonna be a heck of a talking point surrounding Rick Rude. He's on that show, mm-hmm. um, and it, he's actually nearing the end of his entering career at that point. But there's a hell of a talking point we'll hit there. Um, you mentioned the Jake feud in WF. I absolutely love and will always remember when he got pantsed by Jake when he had the tights on, and Jake's like, "I, I'm gonna." He told him, "If you wear those tights, I'm gonna pull them off," and then he did. And there was the black circle. I I know he was wearing like a thong for the live yeah. audience, but they put the faint, the black circle there. I remember watching that as a kid. I was like, "Oh my god, that man's naked." <laughs> Justin, speaking of Rick Rude and Jake, a couple of years ago, Justin and I went to a Jake Roberts stand-up show here in Iowa. <laughs> We actually did Top Rope Nation Extra reviewing it. If you go way back in the archives on Patreon, you can find that bonus show. He told some pretty funny stories about Rick Rude that we uh, we retold on the podcast. So if you're a patron, check that out. It's like one of the very first Top Rope Nation Extras we did, I think. Yeah, but, I, I think favorite Rude matches, Warrior SummerSlam 89, the cage match against Piper from December 89 at MSG, the Iron Man that you mentioned, Ryan. And then the first uh, G1 final, him and Masahiro Chono in 92. Rick Rude, you talk about, you know, kind of how he progressed as a worker. He had did some good stuff over in Japan. Yeah. As well, uh, the match against Sting, which he actually where he suffered the career ending injury is said to be one of his best as well over there. We had recently talked about the Iron Man from Beach Blast like a couple of months ago because I remember I said on the show when it came up I hadn't seen it in years. We were talking about Iron Man matches. Yeah, and I recently rewatched that like within the last two months probably, and I love the finish of that match so much and the way like it's exactly what you think an Iron Man match should be like trying to pin the guy really really quick and you never see that in Iron Man matches and it's so logical so I I mean I I love the way at the end for like the last 30 seconds or whatever he's doing whatever he can you know after after getting pinned kind of out of nowhere right before that and and trying to get that fall to tie it at the end so good yeah I I, I love that too it's a great shout out not a not a singles performance but obviously Wrestle War 92 the war games match yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that whole Dangerous Alliance run was yeah. Just oh, yeah. great. I mean, even, you know, we talked about it, I think, of the Halloween Havoc pod. Him as the Halloween Phantom. Yes. Uh, I have the audio on that pod. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that is one of his best promos, too, you know, mm-hmm. and it, right after a great Paul E. promo. Um, also, anniversaries that uh, yesterday, my the 1991 match of the year, in my opinion, people, I'll, I'll post a link to this in the Facebook group. The best All Japan six man of the entire 90s, Misawa, Kawada, and Kamashi against Jumbo Saruta, Kiritawa, and Masafuchi. This is a six man tag. Got to got to set aside about 50 minutes of your time, folks. So it's but it's was worth. this a was this a takeover? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was this a takeover? <laughs> Did Sean agent this match? Yeah, it was Edge. Actually, it was oh. Edge. Yes. Edge was in it. <laughs> I love all that uh, thread. Speaking of the Facebook group, cheap plug. Um, 
it started with it was I think it was Jesse actually yeah. yep. posting the uh, FTR match that's going to take place next week on Dynamite in the Owen Cup, and that thread then morphed into a discussion <laughs> of the career of uh, of Dennis Knight and Mark Canterbury, aka the Godwins, <laughs> and. And me delivering an extraordinarily long soliloquy on my thoughts on Edge in his entire career. <laughs> Never know where you're going to get in that group. Link in the podcast oh. description. Join the Facebook group. We say it every week, but a lot of good stuff going on in there. Boys, this was fun. We covered a lot of ground. Good discussion. Great to have Kyle back. I'm sure the listeners wow. love having Kyle 70, back. We did it in 75 minutes, too. Heck yeah, man. I, I, was little, I was a little worried coming in tonight. I was like, oh, boy, boy I'm going to unveil these notes. And they're going to be like, this <laughs> fucking guy again, we're going to go two hours. <laughs> Me and Edge. Spring, now, this, yeah. now, the Spring Stampede sh- uh, show that we review next week, 94 on Classics, that one's going to go a couple hours for sure. Uh, yeah, because not only do we have to talk about the show proper, and this will be obvious. I don't know if you guys have even started to watch. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't rewatched it yet, but we will have to discuss what the big news was at the time in WCW that same week. They sign Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Changes on the horizon. That is mm-hmm. for sure. And, and if people want to watch the show ahead of time, um, you know, before I think before they listen to our recording, I'll throw this out there now. I think the fascinating thing about Spring Stampede 94 taking place the same week of the Hogan signing is you watch that pay-per-view, how awesome it is, and you're like, wow, you add the star power of a Hulk Hogan. WCW could really be on to something. They fucking junked everything they were doing and just rebuilt the entire promotion and Hogan's image. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helped them. It's like what WWE does a lot now. They do things for corporate reasons. It helped them. God, did fucking the rebuild <laughs> image of WCW under Hogan suck so bad Yeah, for a while. Yeah, I mean, if you're a patron watching in advance, and then uh, when you listen to our review, it'll make it more relevant to you. And as I said earlier in the show, if you're not a patron, two great bonus podcasts here over the next two weeks. One already dropped, that one coming next week. 75 shows in the archives the minute you sign up, plus the exclusive video recordings of those playback watch parties we do usually three times a week. So you can check that out. The link is in the podcast description. Yeah, And with Spring Stampede, I mean, just the names on that card. It's unbelievable. If you checked out the name, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. There's not a, I don't think there's a bad wrestler on that show. Yeah, stacked. So uh, No bad wrestlers? Tell you, he's not on that card. Spring Stampede '94. Austin. Jacket time. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, one other thing before we go: if you're out there and you haven't left us a written review on Apple, it's been quite a while since we've gotten a new written review. We've had some star ratings, but we would love a good five-star written review on Apple. Help us out if you do. Send you a free sticker in the mail. Leave your uh, Twitter, Instagram username in that review. And of course, as I said, subscribe on all the podcasting platforms and on YouTube. This show tonight, we streamed live to YouTube. We streamed it live to Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, four different platforms simultaneously. If you want to listen to the show twice and you're listening on the podcast feed, check out the video version after the fact. There you go. 
see our smiling faces. And, and, and if you check out the video version, you can see how the my fingernail that was just destroyed is almost is getting a little it's bit still better. Still black. Yeah, the, the the dried blood is getting less and less. So you can check out the video every week. Maybe we'll I don't know compare every month or something. I, I don't know, man. Weeks it's gone. I think you might have painted that. I think you're joining Edge's new faction. Oh, don't start with trying that. to get in. <laughs> don't start with it, dude. How about the fact that the people something I missed, but brought a tremendous smile to my face when I was going through Raw trying to play catch up was the crowd chanting "We don't care" at that Edge Davian Priest promo. <laughs> hey, huh. man, they're still smart. Hmm. Apparently, there were still a few decent people in that building. <laughs> now we know where you really went on your trip. Yes. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This has been fun. Uh, we're going to head into the weekend. This has been episode 248 of Top Rope Nation. Appreciate your support. Take care. Have a great weekend. Bye.